When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 387 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Daniel Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian, and it's deadline day. The window closes in just a few hours from now, so hopefully by the time you have this in your ears, all heck hasn't broken loose, or maybe it has in a good way. So I will gladly have already added addendums to the beginning. So if you already spoke to me before I started talking now to Emil, well, I guess that's a good thing. Um, hopefully yep. not a bad thing, but... Yeah, so by the time you hear this, the window will maybe even be closed and everything we've said is just wrong at this point. But Lewandowski was already flipped to Man United, right, for Juan Basaka. <laughs> Pedri has been sold to Liverpool, and Barca has oh, only been God. able to register PK and, and Yaki Pena. Sound about right? <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. I mean, I think, who knows what's, who knows what's happening? But yeah, those, those, are definitely, those are definitely coming down the pipe. Well, I will say, though, I, I'm talking to Patreon Mike Crimmins like, as we speak that they did update the numbers on capology, and we're not sure about the actual truth to them. But yeah, let me start this fun deadline day and all these names we're about to throw out there uh, with you know a little bit of gloom and doom in that if that capology update is correct, that Gerard Piquet is now making 52 million euros gross. 1 million euros per week. To put that in context, we were getting pretty afraid that Frankie de Jong was getting up to, what was it, like 20 million or 25 million net but now it looks like Frankie de Jong's at 37.5 million euros gross, tied basically with Busquets. Busquets has also deferred his payment. So it seems like the deferred payments have been you know, calculated into that capology. 
Yeah, PK's deferred payments are an absolute disaster, an absolute nightmare. That if that's true, that means that PK's deferred payments, he is now making as much this season to sit on the bench as Lewandowski plus Ansu plus Kunde plus Araujo. That those four together equals Gerard PK, right? How is that possible that... It, you know, and it is possible that they, that being Busquets and PK, have just deferred their payments and have not actually. Yeah, that's the that's the impression that I've always. I mean, that it wasn't yeah, a reduction; it was a deferment, not a reduction, which is a big difference. Yes, exactly. And I know it was okay, so it was presented a, a particular way at the time, and yeah, I guess we just figured that. Yeah, these guys were. As I'm even saying this out loud, I feel like a little bit of this may be on us. Like, I was going to say, like, you know, we thought at the time that these guys, like, just willfully and happily decided that tens of millions of euros more wasn't something that was something that they could do without. Yeah. And sure, I mean, I guess they can do without it. They're all independently wealthy. But, you know, so, yeah, in this way, I guess it stinks. It's another instance of a bill coming due for for Barca and this one I mean this is the classic case of you know using scotch tape and paper clips to to piece together your finances when you're in one dire strait only to then realize that you know your credit card company wants its money or you know wherever you got that cash that's going to have to be sorted out as well I mean even the UTT one here UTT is set to be on loan and make 20 million euros gross the same so, basically the same as Jordi Alba and just more than Lewandowski yeah so I mean effectively all they did was um and I know it's like I guess it was twofold there was the issue of legitimate cash strappedness so you know these guys were going to need all this you know we're gonna have to get paid all this money so first of all I understand the just simply the currency wasn't there to pay them and secondly I mean I thought this was a little bit of an NFL or NBA style like sort of like you said, you called it capology. I mean, it's just like that, you know, where guys will get paid. I mean, effectively, like what they did with, I guess it is the MTT thing. Like they're paying all the salary, but removing him from the, you know, the, the cap calculations. That was the impression that I was under. No, I mean, if they have to actually conjure up whatever it is, like 150 million euros to pay these dudes all off. Five players. Five players. Yeah, or... It's, it's PK, DeYoung, Busquets, Alba, and Mtiti. Oh, I forgot about Alba. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I mean, this is... Together, yeah, I mean, together that group is to make almost 170 million euros, those five players, as far as wages. So again, I don't know if that's entirely true. I think there might also be not a deferment, but a reduction still in the cards for the case of PK and Busquets. Uh, I, I think that's still possible. We also note that Gabi's loan is not yet done. It's not yet official, so you can continue to, to, to wonder about that and what's going to take for that to get over the line. Again, I don't think it's down to his desire to play at Barcelona or even the negotiation or even the final number. It's a matter of when we get this number finalized and we can we put this contract to. So there you go. That was the bad news, Emil. I'd say that's the looming bad news. The good news, however, of this transfer window is that all above board and all registered are the players that were brought in. And I want to remind everybody that, you know, this actually is a rather calm deadline day in, in reference to the last few seasons because so much of that work was done early on. Lewandowski brought in weeks ago, being able to do a full preseason, 
Kounde was the last one to be brought in, but you know, Kessier and Christensen done basically last season, you know, March, April, May, those were agreed to. Even this Marcos Alonso deal that we're going to talk about, those that contract and that agreement was signed on personal terms between the player and the club, that being Barcelona and Alonso, months ago, like back in February, we first saw that report. Yeah, personal terms, right? So this is basically a guarantee that was kicked down the road until they could actually confirm that they could register and, and, and do this. So, all right, let's go through these deals basically one by one, starting with the fullback position, because, yeah, it's a fullback kind of day. Did Xavi get the big, you know, the big player he wanted or the big name? I think the minute Juan Foyth went down with that injury for Villarreal, then it was always going to be the, the B, C, D, E, F, G options. But the player that's going out in that stead is Sergio Dest. He is quite confirmed. AC Milan, his time at Barcelona is over, even though it's a loan. It's a loan with a buy option around 20 million euros, and it's not a mandatory buy option, but it's a deal until June of 2027. Uh, would tell you, or it's a one-year loan plus a potential four-year deal, which does tell you that, you know, Dest, if he has any signs of life at AC Milan, they will purchase him just to even resell him at a portion of, of what he's worth. Because I want to remind everybody that that young fullback market, you know, for those, this is where my stance has been on Dest for a while. His positional play is lacking. His final third ball is lacking, and he's not the player that Xavi wants at that position, especially when you bring in Lewandowski, you bring in Kessier, you renew Dembele. You have a summer where you, you build a team to win a Champions League and win La Liga and win everything, and Dest is still just too far behind even the rest of the young talent. All the other teenagers, all the other young 20-somethings, Dest is still behind that curve for Xavi, and so you've got to, that being the club, make financial good on, on, that, on that player. And so get 20 million a year from now for Dest is going to be, again, a fair market value if he continues to, to not advance his career the way that we would hope that he did or expect that he did. The other half of that, though, is, again, the reason why Dest was, was, was sold was because that young fullback market is a disaster. It's a wasteland. There's no one there. It's the same five names you hear, Frimpong and Gusto. And, I mean, Reese James is 22 for Chelsea. I, I, but, I mean, the, the list of players that are under 22 years old at the right-back spot that we'll say have high potential or that you could truly just count on and say, that's going to be a future star, there's nobody. There's nobody out there. And so they just they had to get rid of him. I mean, look at the rest of the people they were trying to bring in before Bellarine. Thomas Moynier, 31 this month. He looks set to split time at Dortmund with 27-year-old Marius Wolf. Matteo Mori is still just 22 at Dortmund, but he's quite injury-prone. And Felix Paslak is also a right-back, two years left on his contract, and that's why Munir didn't leave, because Dortmund has four right-backs, and yet they don't really trust one of them in perpetuity. And then the next name was Julian Araujo, who just turned 22 for the LA Galaxy. And people know, I work for, ML I work for and with MLS. He's already made 102 professional appearances, Barca Academy and Arizona products. So he has kind of been on their radar or been in the quote-unquote system for quite some time. One goal, just 12 assists, three of those coming this year in 2,500 minutes. But even Julian Rahu is like a, who's this prospect. You know, the LA Galaxy know what he's worth. And they obviously, when Barca said, hey, can we get this player for Barca Athletic? Likely they offered two to three million or 3.5 or four, whatever, because he's an international. I know the Galaxy came back and said, give us eight to 12, because that's the market for fullbacks. 100%. So maybe they'll kick the can down the road and, and come back to that. But I don't know, that young fullback that everyone is talking about that's supposed to be brought in and going to be the savior, that player doesn't exist. And that's why Xavi said, just get me somebody 
serviceable. Get me somebody who's older, and uh, and yeah, and give me Hector Bellerin because he's a free transfer. And especially looking at capology stuff, a free transfer for low wages for Bellerin, that was a deal. That was a deal. Are you missing out on your favorite show because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. Now, you heard me talk last week how Frances and I, you know, we have never really met in person. We have lived thousands of miles away. And while Frances is not currently and hasn't been on the show in quite some time, he did introduce me. And yeah, he introduced me to Barcelona Blog and all that stuff and got this started. More importantly, he did introduce me to NordVPN and the use of VPNs. And it has been essential and important to all of the viewing that I do, whether it's Barca B, whether it's lower Spanish division teams, whether it's the leagues I don't have access to, the Eredivisie, and getting that stuff in Catalonia has been essential to doing this whole thing. So if you're bored of US Netflix, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com backslash thebarcelona, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never even happened. Check out my link, nordvpn.com backslash thebarcelona to get your subscription started today. And I don't need to tell you, but Champions League Soccer is back, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts September 6th. With the biggest stars, top teams, and the craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid, yeah, Benzema and Real Madrid, defend their title against Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona, and more in soccer's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time, and extra time. And stream every match of the UEFA Champions League, live starting September 6th, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Now back to the show. Well, especially at this point, I mean, if you need... Yeah, like you said, the the young prospect that that kind of the unicorn type of prospect just isn't around right now. And like you said, the given the dearth across you know, across Europe, across the global game, if there was such a player available, the price would be astronomical. And yeah, Kukurea went know, more than almost seventy. I want to remind people that Kukurea was like seventy million euros. Yeah, exactly. And so if if it's someone on the level of Kukurea, that's what you're dealing with, and it might even be higher now because you don't even have the break you know break glass for Kukurea instead of emergency option because he's off the market. So in this case, I mean, I think uh, I don't know if there is like an entire crop of you know young, high upside talented right backs coming, but right now the game is just uh, bridges and you know make sure that. Bridges and stop gaps, and make sure that you have capable bodies there, and you know you get you get through the season, and you achieve at least some of what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, like a lot of team building has has been done. I mean, I think like you know whether it was in terms of just getting younger or flat out getting better, the 
the side has made, you know, big strides this summer. Whatever. It's fine if some sort of an idealized solution isn't found for every single gap on the roster. Now you just need to find someone that, you know, you've got a really good team. You just have to make sure that you don't have a fatal flaw at, at right back. And the the rest of the roster should, you know, deliver you to some sort of success at the end of all of this. Yeah, how do you say goodbye to, to Dest? Uh, again, I, I've been very biased about him. I, I tried to die on that hill many times with Eric Garcia. And I think when he was healthy, he gave you something. But mm. I, I, I think Xavi was given an option at the start of the summer and said, which players are you not going to protect? You know, almost like an expansion yeah. draft, right? Like evidence yep. like transfer draft where Xavi, you know, name the players that you want to keep. And we kind of know who those are and who are you willing to part with? And I think Des was put on that list of guys he was willing to part with for the right price. And again, I think that's what it comes down to even more so than, you know, we don't have to justify him not making it Barcelona and saying, oh, he stinks. Like, that's why he didn't make it at Barcelona. I think there's a lot of reasons why not only players don't work out, but you have to get rid of those players. And I think yeah. that that's kind of what happened with Dest, where he was the, the man to leave for that moment. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was an epic failure or anything like that. I don't think that, I, you know, I think in a different system or just with a with a change of scenery, possibly even, he has, you know, a legitimate chance to carve out a niche for himself. I don't know if he's a future star, but he has, you know, he's still young and he has a lot of physical tools. I mean, maybe under the right manager and surrounded by the right, you know, the right cast of characters. I mean, he might, he might yet be a a very good or star level player, but even if he's not that, I mean, I think he's got, he's got a career. He's, yeah, you know, we watched him, we watched him play. He didn't, he didn't become the, the player that he was brought in to be at the same time. He was also brought in sort of at peak. I mean, I don't, it's tough to say even when peak chaos was for this, for this club, like over the past, you know, year and a half, two years. It but was it, right before El Clasico. It was like, yeah. yeah, and it was, but he was brought in under you know sort of the latter-ish stages of Kuman. Like it was already kind of clear that Kuman wasn't wasn't long for the dugout, and so you know he came in under under that set of circumstances. And then when Xavi came in too, you know maybe he was already out on him or whatever it was. Or but I do think the objective was we need to salvage this season, and I don't have a chance to spend a few weeks or whatever auditioning guys and figuring out exactly what I've got. This is all hands. We need to make sure, you know, top four, top two, whatever. And, you know, and then whatever happened over the summer, it was, yeah, Chavi was not enamored of him. And uh, look, I think for all involved, it's it's kind of a decent set of circumstances. I mean, Barca effectively get to recoup what they spent on the player and the player gets to go to the defending Serie A champions and... You know, if it if it goes well for him, he's you know a a solid maybe frontline player at a at a huge club at a trophy winning club. Yeah, well, personally, as someone who's going to be hoping that the U.S. men's national team can do well at the World Cup in Qatar, you know, Sergino mm-hmm. just actually playing football is going to be important to that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what the American could do. Again, he was the first American to play at Barca. Technically, it was Conrad de la Fuente in a preseason game, but that's just for the uh, the, the real deep divers on the trivia. But the player coming in instead is Hector Bellerin, who gets the call, left Barcelona at 16, or was it 14, then returns home, you know, went to Arsenal when he was a teenager. But, you know, you just wonder if he's doing it like Adama Traore did, or if it's going to look a little more like Eric Garcia. But what we do know is 
uh, it's a one-year contract with no option for, for the season, which is really interesting. Which is a you know, one-year deal, no option to extend. He will sign until June of 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because he stayed relatively healthy last season. Played 32 games for Real Betis as their regular starter, providing five assists. And he was a regular starter and sometimes captain for Arsenal the year before when they were struggling. But yeah, he's 27, so technically he's in the prime of his career. But he's had had enough of injuries where he just looks like he's on the second half of his career already at 27, which is a shame. But yeah, you wonder what player is in there. But I also say, like, not to say they don't wonder, but my stance on the Bellarine signing is it's a fine depth piece. You know, we begin this conversation with the way we started the show, and that is with that capology and with the limitations that Barcelona have financially, especially if you've already, again, we've had to add an addendum in here because of another bomb or big player that Laporta and, and Jared Romero at the moment are speaking about. But Bellerin is going to, to play a role to do a job. And again, I, I say that all of our conversations are always leading us to a Gala 11 or to playing El Clasico or playing in the Champions League knockout. That's always what we're talking about. And a, a reminder, too, that Araujo will probably start again against Vinny Jr. on the wing in El Clasico. We probably will see that again because it worked so well last season, a 4 nothing, and it seemed to work in the preseason as well. Is it a long-term option, against, especially against teams that sit in a low block? No, obviously. That experiment has failed in teams that are playing narrow, and especially teams that are playing narrow and playing in medium to low blocks. Um, but that said, you know, over the course of a year, you kind of need everybody in a squad. And you know, there is nothing about Hector Bellerin, of what I saw last year, that indicates to me that he's going to leapfrog even Sergio Roberto on the depth chart. I, I think you're going to see a healthy diet of Kunde, who, again, probably doesn't want to play right back. You know, Alan Al really said it last week. So if Kunde isn't an option, but maybe he's willing to fill in occasionally when he's truly needed to in the most important games, then you have Araujo probably at right back in that rotation. You have Kunde, and those two together at right back are playing, or it's a three at the back in those biggest, most important games. And they're playing what? Maybe seven or eight, ten of the games, the two of them combined at that position. And then for yep. the rest of it, you've got 20 to 25 other starts or or even coming on a halftime for Roberto and for Bellerin. And I think both of those players, Roberto and Bellerin, can fill those roles and do those jobs. You know, so I don't think Bellerin really moves that needle, but I think he can just be, you know, if they're signing him to be guy 21, 22, 23 on the roster, you can do a lot worse than Hector Bellerin, who was, again, the starter for Real Betis, mm-hmm. who was a good team last year. You know, so again, no, it doesn't excite me. But it does a job, and on a free transfer for just one season, like 27 years old, returns home to, mm. <laughs> to an environment he knows, like, you could do a lot worse than Hector Bellerin. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I think he, he is not a savior. I mean, I don't know, if, you know, even in yeah. circumstances like, you know, at Arsenal, where he kind of he knows where everything is. He's been there forever. I mean, he's not a star, and they don't view him as such. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of an interesting counter to a lot of the arrivals that at Barca this this summer, which have been, you know, I mean, it's just been all, you know, massive difference makers and stars and names. And, you know, I mean, he's, Hector Bayerin is a name and, you know, he's, he's a star in terms of, you know, name recognition and Q score and stature. But I mean, he is a player. He's, he's a useful player when he's healthy. And sometimes that's what you need. This team isn't really positioned to, you know, it's a role that they need to fill, and it's a position that we just talked about 
isn't chock full of star level players to bring in and secondly we don't even know if the team would be in a position like is it even feasible to bring in a star level player you know i mean right now we're just getting into the nitty-gritty of I mean, we're not even into it, but as we get into the nitty-gritty of the season, you need people to play these positions. Like you, now we're getting into the part where you have to satisfy your fixture commitment, and right. you know, you need you need bodies, you need you know, good teammates and willing runners and stuff like that. And Hector Barian is a good pro who. It's inexplicable to me that he's still twenty-seven. Like I, I felt like he was, I. When I looked it up, I thought he was going to be like 33. But, um, you know, he's he's a good, he's a good solid pro to bring in. And as I was telling you before we actually started recording here, I mean, I, I think there's an outside chance that given everything you see about him and everything I've read about him and, um, you know, I think the value that he'll deliver from a purely vibes perspective could, you know, possibly rival or you know, equal or surpass his on-pitch value as well. Because by all accounts, I mean, he's a he's a good teammate. He's, you know, an ex-Barca guy. And, you know, as such, he wants to come back to... I can imagine he will be absolutely a sort of a, 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 good, a good soldier and a good conduit for um, Xavi's message and Xavi's tactics, you know? So he, he'll be a, a respected veteran that isn't going to be you know, side-eyeing anything that the manager says. Much to the contrary, he's actually going to be 100% on board and bringing everyone else with him. Yeah, again, the, the Bayerine, it goes down to expectations. What, is, what are our expectations mm. for him this season? And I think if you, not to say lower your expectations, but if you assume that he is potentially even the backup, quote-unquote, right-back, or part of this deeper right-back rotation, depending on the personnel and depending on the opponent then that's just fine. Now, switching to the other side, to left back, I think this is where things get more complicated and, and much more interesting. Because again, I think when we're talking about the right back spot, you're talking about next summer. Um, probably not even in January. You're talking about next summer, some big number to bring in a, a consummate starter, right? To really go on the market. And that's your priority, along with potentially a defensive midfielder. Though, to give you another update here, the latest we're seeing is Marathi for PSG is the quote-unquote surprise and for all the midfielders that PSG have signed, yeah, maybe there's some credibility to that, but okay, I don't know. That, that probably is always squashed by this point. But speaking of big signings that may happen but did not, Jordi Alba was linked to Inter Milan yesterday in something that I can only assume was put out there because, again, when the cap spiked and Jordi Alba was making what he made and PK and Sketch are like, nah, and De Young said, I'm not leaving, then, I mean, of those big, big, big numbers, right? Like, something has to give, and Jordi Alba's been frozen out so far. In the case of Balde, and if you're PK, you're like, well, of course. I mean, Sarajo is Kunde. Of course, I'm not playing. But in the case of Jordi Alba, he's like, well, this kid's like 18. He was all last year. What's happening? Why am I sitting on the bench? And Marcus Alonso on the way. And apparently, 40% of Alba's salary was to be paid by Inter, meaning Barca was still going to be paying 60% of Jordi Alba's salary. But even getting 60% of or 40% of that off the books, as we see now, is completely essential to what Barca was trying to do. But it seems like Alba was like, no, 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 I'm staying too. That's like, I'm going to fight for my spot. Like, why am I going to move? You're not going to un unsettle me right now. Now, playing into that, of course, is the Marcus Alonso thing, which is real, which is where this gets pretty complicated. We figured that if Bellerin or some other right back was coming in, then Des was likely gone. And there was truth to that. It made sense on both sides. But with Pierre 
Emmerich Kambamiang. I, I guess that's where we start instead of the whole back spot, uh, start, uh, uh, spot here, I should say. Aubameyang to Chelsea, along with Marcos Alonso to Barca for 14 million euro fee to Barcelona, plus Marcos Alonso. And Alonso seems to be making somewhere between 4 and 6 million euros at Barca to, again, be a rotation piece, a squad piece. And I don't know if he's the actual consummate left-back starter. More likely, he's the starter than Bayerine is on the right side. But, yeah, it, it, interesting. Uh, not only interesting about the left-back stuff, but let's start with Aubameyang. That's awesome. That's an awesome deal for Aubameyang. It's terrible what happened to him. That break-in, the robbery, the broken jaw. Yeah, I, I have nothing to say about that. Like, that's just that's news. Like, just, like, it's a bad thing that happened. And... I think it's actually even fortunate for Aubameyang. It's very fortunate for Barcelona, obviously, and for Chelsea that that situation didn't affect the transfer. And it's one of those like, it's one of those situations where what a nightmare of a day, what a terrible day, and yet you still have to go about business as usual. And I think for Aubameyang to go through that traumatic experience and then still have the ability to complete this life-changing move to, I mean, I get back to London. So maybe he was able to get his old flat back you know, and he was only in Barcelona for six months. But either way, like for Aubameyang to go through that traumatic experience and then to be able to say, hey, I still went through this today and I still have to think about myself for the next months and year. And so let me do what I need to do, even though I'm going through this big thing and I have a broken jaw and all this is going on. So, I mean, credit to him as a human being, as a professional to get this done. And again, like, you know, it's not going to be forgotten what happened to him for him. But I'm hoping six months from now, he's able to go, okay, I still made the right move for my life. And Barcelona is obviously, I mean, they're, they must be over the moon to get $14 million for a player that came on reduced wages for six months and helped them make the Champions League. What, what a perfect, perfect signing Aubameyang was. Oh, it really was. I mean, he, yeah, exactly. He came on reduced wages. He's going to get more expensive. And he was, you know, by all accounts, a, you know, a, a good guy around the club, a good teammate. He linked up again with Usman Dembele, and they, you know, kind of re kind of reconjured a little bit of that the old Dortmund days. And he was, I thought he was fantastic for for Barca, even knowing all the financial stuff that he was going to get more expensive, and that's not you know super tenable for Barca. I felt really bad, you know, that that he had to leave because I actually. I kind of, I really sort of took to him, you know, I took a shine to him. Yeah, what happened to him in his home is absolutely inexcusable, and I don't even know, like, there's just, there's nothing that I can say that, you know, isn't either just hilariously obvious or not vulgar about about that. So, you know, we can just leave that there. I mean, just, you know, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that doesn't completely mar both his memory and experience of having been here. And, you know, I mean, I just hope he himself and his family are okay, both physically and, I mean, honestly, just emotionally, psychologically in the, yeah. in the longer run, too. But, yeah, I mean, from the, uh, from the pure kind of um, on-pitch slash boardroom level, yeah, I mean, this worked out ideally. He, you know, we talked about it when he came here. He was a little bit of a fading star who needed to revive his image and show that he still had something in the tank. Barca needed someone with something in the tank who wasn't going to demand a whole ton of money but could score goals for them. And each side got exactly what they wanted. And, yeah, I mean, 
I can only imagine he was happy living in London before. So he gets to go back and live in London. Yep. He gets to play Champions League football. And, yeah, I mean, Barca actually got... I mean, this is this is a, the the rare piece of super tidy business that, that Barca have done lately that... Uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of a, a chef's kiss, like you said. I mean it's sort of all around. It's a it's a win 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 all around. Yeah, I mean then now there's a lot of chaos now at left back. I think for Alonso, mm-hmm. you know, he comes in. A reminder too that he started or played 65 percent of matches and minutes for Chelsea last season. It, it seemed like for a player that could be that contributed five goals, six assists, and 46 matches this season as well, or sorry, last season, that you know he's able to do. He's serviceable. He's able to do all of what I think is required of him. He does win a lot of his aerial duels. His progressive passing numbers are really good. Shot creating actions are really good. Shot number is very high. So when it comes to teams that Barcelona are going to need to try to overwhelm and really go at, I think Alonso is going to make some sense. He can also play as a left center back, so there's versatility there. I mean, looking at the fullback market, Barcelona could have done a lot worse than Marcos Alonso. And I think the opposition to it is because, yeah, he's 31, and you're kind of locking up something that, is, is worrisome, but if you know that Alejandro Balde, and it's only been three matches, and a pre- but if Balde really is the future, which it looks like it looks like at this point, like I was concerned that Barcelona were going to sell him with a buyback clause somewhere in there, right? Now it seems like even if he doesn't get minutes right now, because Alonso and Alba splitting time, and Alba's going to force his way to stick around, then Balde will go on loan and probably succeed, and Balde knows that eventually that job is his, and if you can lock, like locking that idea, and a lot changes in football too. Like a lot changes from month, from window to window and year to year. But if if everyone kind of is on the same page, even Alonso and Alba, that Balde is going to be starting eventually, or like when the club chooses it, when Xavi chooses that to happen. I don't know if it's going to be this year because again, having three now left backs and Alba making what he makes, it just it, it it seems untenable to me as a situation. But you know, so I think if I had to be you know looking at my crystal ball. My guess is that Balde does not get enough time as a first-team starter this year or as a first-team player in the fall, at least. And then he goes out on loan. But very much like Nico Gonzalez, it's one of those like, hey, we're not sending you, like, you know what your job is to do to go out on loan. And it's more of a see you later. We're definitely, we'll see you later. You'll likely get at least another full season in the first team before we really make a decision on your future because you should be part of our future. Just go and do your job on loan and let's see how you can handle that pressure while we sort this stuff out here, a.k.a. Jordi Alba. So all of that actually does make sense. Now, I'm I'm curious with the Jordi Alba thing. So, okay, so Alba's not going to not gonna agree to leave. He's not going to enter whatever, so he's going to stay. It's now been made abundantly clear that for reasons, financial, tactical, or otherwise, he's not part of the plans. I mean, Javi, you know, wants him gone, or wants him gone enough, at least. And he doesn't have a, I was going to say he doesn't have a clear role, but it would appear he doesn't have a role in the future of the club. Why, uh, I mean, I realize we just went through the entire sort of the the umtiti odyssey of, you know, paying someone loads and loads of cash to to not play. But if your objective is to move on from the Jordi Alba era, era and Balde is showing at least flashes, you know, he's definitely, he's not, not the, the left back of the future. And agreed. Look again, once and more looking at that young fullback market, like yep. all day, I want to remind you, like just, I know it's kind of nonsense, but look at like the, the gold.com, like next gen, yeah. one, which again is always wrong. Like 
Balde is arguably a top five, maybe top three, under 22 left back prospects in world, in world football. Like that's, yeah. how, like, that's how shallow we'll say that is. It's just such a hard sure. position to predict. Just such an impossible position to predict. So to that point, if you think this guy actually has, has a decent chance to be the left back of the future and, and the left back of the now, and you're pulling off a deal that gets you not just the money for Aubameyang, but also Marco Alonso. Is there anything wrong with just seeing, looking at Jordi Alba as a, as a sunk cost and just saying that, you know what, we're going to, we're going to basically feed the, feed the youth on the left and see what we have in Balde. And as our veteran cover for him or, you know, or vice versa, um, we have Alonso and look, you can, you can keep collecting the paycheck. You don't like this. This isn't happening anymore. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. Does that, does that make sense? Am I missing something? Like, because financially it all nets out to the same thing. I mean, all the stays you have to pay him fine. But as far as actually moving the club forward and not having to deal with any of this as a distraction, I mean, I think it's easier to just be like, look, we, we committed to this money. We said we were going to do this thing. We, the bill came due. Fine. We'll pay you. But, you know, we're, we're going to see what we have in the prospect. And this other guy that we've been trying to get for basically a year, who's talented and can, you know, effectively, I guess, play your role. Yeah, I mean, I think even this, not to say this has kind of been done, the Alonzo thing has been done for a while now, but it is telling that, that Xavi just went with Balde before Alonzo had even arrived, like before that deal was done. You know, all things can happen in these transfer negotiations. Like things can fall through and things can not work out for you, but either the club was completely guaranteed about the Alonzo stuff that they just sat Alba already, and, and they also trust Balding, and things can be true in multiple ways. And speaking of players like that are either sticking around or not leaving, it seems like the business that is still left to do that might be done by the time, again, this is in your ears, is Memphis and Pjanic in particular. There, It seems like Pjanic, and quite fairly, that he doesn't want to take a big pay- payday to Saudi Arabia or to the Middle East mm-hmm. or to even MLS. Instead, he wants to hold out uh, for Nice. Remember, he is a player from, from Mets. Back in the day, that's where he originally got his start uh, in Luxembourg. But so he wants to go to Nice in France. He wants to, uh, or a, a comparable club, and he wants to actually play. He wants to play in, in a top five league, and he wants to stay in Europe. And again, that's totally fair for him to ask to do that. But I, I don't know how much of a deal is out there based on his salary as well. A reminder, too, that the rest of these clubs in Spain and France, and it's why the Premier League, you know, this is just a broader point about the transfer window this year. Uh, this summer, it just seems like it's been coming for a while, but the difference between the Premier League, which is over a billion, and the like the next four closest, which is yeah. like in total, it's like 500 million euros yeah. from, from Germany, Spain, France, and uh, who am I missing here? Spain, Italy. Or Italy and Italy, yeah. <laughs> right? Like those combined are less than 500 million euros. And yet, again, it's over... Or multiple or more than a billion. It's like and it's like a third of that is Barca, and you know, like half of that is yeah, and uh, Real Madrid even Barca right. and Madrid. Yeah, yeah. So, like with that gap ever broadening this season, I talked to Alan Feely about like the worries of the Liga not bringing in stars and selling all their stars to the other clubs and mm-hmm. not registering players, and that gap between the big two and everyone else widening. You know, 
it's a reminder too when Barcelona looking to try to offload their players. There's only so many options. Like only so many clubs can afford to take on these salaries. Can yeah, even just the wages. Players. Yeah, never mind. Even if you give them the guys for free. Exactly. So even Memphis, like Memphis yeah. wants to be at a certain level, but that musical chairs like stops very quickly. If Juve's yeah. like, hey, we're good. Like we're done. We can't do anything more. And then you work your way down. And now all of a sudden, Barca and Memphis are like, wait a second. Sevilla needs players, but they need them for free. And who actually has... And like they ideally would like those players to play for as close to free right, as exactly. possible. Right. And, and so the, it's just you're, you're talking about less and less and less and less options. And so, I mean, listen, I said it before that if Aubameyang or Memphis, one of them is gone, I understand that the five-man rotation up top is going to be even more minutes than anybody's needed. But over the course of a year, I can see Memphis playing a role. And I know it's not the role he wants, but it's a role he might be stuck with at least until January. And then, boy, what a great summer signing he would be, that being Memphis to buy for a team in January. What a great move that would be for everybody. So I could see him kind of like putzing around for a while here on the bench and not making everything or, or not really playing that much. But also, like, he's not, it's not like Xavi didn't trust him or wanted him. It was that he wasn't getting enough minutes to make him happy. And it's just, again, it made sense for him to leave. It just made sense for all parties. And I think the idea to terminate his contract is still out there because, again, I think it's amendable for everyone involved to like just have him not be around. But again, it's all got to work for Barcelona financially. And so if he's still around, they're still paying his salary, I think Xavi will find a role for him. I mean, almost at a point kind of like Dembele in the spring where it's like, I mean, this player's here. He's my player, so I'm going to use him. It's not like one of these situations yeah. where I don't trust him anymore. It's just like I trust everybody else more, and I get and he gets that he's not long well, for the job. And that's well, fine, yeah, as long as we all agree professionally to that. Well, exactly, because, okay, so the, yeah, all this, the the attack over the past, you know, couple of transfer windows has been completely reshaped. And then, you know, you throw throw into that the return to health of Ansu. And, you know, the, the world, the, the Barcelona into which Memphis arrived just isn't there anymore. I mean, it's a, it's a completely, completely different landscape. Look, I mean, to his credit, it doesn't sound like he's made a lot of sort of bad noises or, you know, tried to sort of burn it down or, you know, do anything to damage his, you know, damage his standing with the club or damage his standing with his teammates. Yeah. And I think you said it perfectly. I mean, it's, I think the, the comparison to Dembele last season is a really good one in that, yeah, Javi probably did look around and, you know, when he saw Dembele last year, he's like, look. You know, almost to the to the president's box. Like, look, I understand you have your issues with this guy, and you guys are, you know, haggling over what you're haggling over. But I'm here to actually field a team, and we have this dude. He's healthy, and he is contracted to us. Like, it would almost it would be negligent to just literally not use him. And so Memphis is kind of the same thing. I mean, especially with with Aubameyang leaving so that at least one chair or you know the the log jam there gets a little bit less jammed up and i mean i think memphis is a perfect insurance policy and you know he can be a good sub a good spot starter i understand that's far from ideal for him but look i mean it's also one of those things like in a world where you're not forced to take a pay cut you know it's kind of i understand these guys like you know these guys aren't working like Starbucks shifts where, you know, everyone would love to, you know, get paid their full salary for, you know, a quarter of the work. 
but you know in in the, in the reality that you occupy not having to move and not having to take any sort of salary reduction and being relied upon in spurts ain't that bad you know what i mean like it's i understand it's it's not ideal you don't get to rebuild your your full value as you know kind of the star that you hope to be but it's it's a six month issue and like you said at at the end of the season possibly in january worst case at the end of the season you are you know the world the world's your oyster you just go find what you can find find your situation find the salary you want and go get them and on the other side of that with Pjanic, I think Pjanic, I mean, I, I wish he would do everything he could to move. I, I mean, I wish there was an option there for him. I think it's just one of those things where the, the club, remember, there's only so many players. I mean, so many people, right? Like we expect on these kind of days that Alamani is doing everything. But we know that when deals are done, that being Alonzo with Bayerin, like these take time. And so I think they're just going to run out of time. I think the clock is just going to strike midnight on Pjanic and he might just still be around and he might have to just sit there and be around. I think the club is going to have it's interesting too because for the the players that the club is kind of not even pushed out, but the ones who've been sitting on the sideline, like look at the last mm-hmm. year and a half, the ones sitting on the sideline were those that were injured because Barcelona yeah. needed every active body, like every person that could be on the field was on the field. And so this year is going to be a bit different because the players that are being held out are being held out usually for financial reasons or for contractual reasons. And yeah, it's going to be what Pjanic and Jordi Alba and PK and yeah. Right. And I mean, it's, I mean, Umtiti was really like one of the only players who was held out. And then Brothwaite last year when he came back from injury, but he was injured like most of the year. And speaking of Brothwaite, the Brothwaite thing uh, terminates his contract with Barca for 2.8 million euros. And someone's saying how I started the Luis Figo documentary last night. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think Brothwaite going to Espanol for three years makes him anywhere near Luis Figo. I don't think it's the same situation. <laughs> and uh, I also don't subscribe to the fact that the club like treated him in some kind of terrible way. I think. I think his whole situation was kind of gross in that, you know, the initial, we'll say the original sin was the emergency signing, like dooming yeah. Ness. Like it, nothing, none of this goes on the current board, and none of this goes on Brothwaite. No, like, Brothwaite but it's like you're Barca, and you have to, you have to strip mine Leganes mm-hmm. for a striker. <laughs> yeah, in February, right as an emergency signing. I mean, and yeah, he did the whole thing was absurd. Season. Right. So the whole situation, and that's one of those, like, let's pass the buck of blame back to Bartomeu. If you need to do that, let's, let's just do that. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, did the fans boo him? Sure. I mean, he was asked to find a different club in May. He was asked to, you know, with his numbers. I, the only, the only like, caveat that I add here is, like, this kind of played out the way you'd expect it to when you have a player who makes what he makes. Like, unlike, if, if it's PK, who's, again, due to make 57 million euros this year, like, you know... Let's not haggle over two point eight million, but right. oh, Brock, God, man, yeah. like, what he makes is what he makes. Like that's really important generational money for him. This is his biggest contract, and he's also in his like thirties. Like the, the, he's probably this. I mean, this Espanol deal is his last deal, or not his last yeah. deal. His last like deal with any money attached to it, right? Yeah, like you would think, yeah. playing for favors at that point. So I understood how Brothwaite, you know, wanted to make sure that he went to a place that he was going to make money. He also wanted to hold out so they got his contract, and the fans were fair to boo him for that and said hey like we asked you to leave and yet you're just like sticking around for monetary reasons and like you know again it, because the fans are faceless and there's just like a mob of people who are booing him like it, it seems like that's like came from ill intent but i didn't hear anything that was like above and beyond what was just like yeah like we don't go away like you know don't don't be here anymore 
And we do kind of, again, the short memory is why he came. But again, like, we don't blame him for why he came. I think those same fans that booed him were the same ones that celebrated him when he arrived from Leganes, like when he became that emergency signing. Like, I don't think fans were totally out on Brothwaite. I think, I mean, we praised him the first few weeks and months that he was here because of his work rate and what he provided to the team. It seemed like off the field as well. So Brothwaite's time at Barcelona is, I think, neither a failure nor a success. I think it's just a weird compromise situation based on the hubris of, of Bartomeu's board of the past. And I think this is just one of those, like, the end of what is a more of an odd story, I think, than a, a negative story all around. Yeah, and I, I'm inclined to agree with that because, you know, when he arrived, he was, and I mean, I think almost just till the end, you know, it seems like all he ever talked about was how he was just so happy and proud and over the moon to be at Barcelona, which understandably so. And, but that was really cool. And, you know, he played hard and he, you know, that, that couple of years ago when, you know, guys were hurt and the roster didn't look anything like what it looks like now. I mean, he came in handy at, you know, at times and he played hard and no, he wasn't, you know, he's not a striker up to sort of the the peak Barca level. But he showed up. He was delighted to be here. Um, he played hard. He, when he got opportunities, he didn't play badly. And in batches, you know, played pretty well. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is, this is a perfectly fine end. You know, I mean, just, yeah. yeah. And, you know, he doesn't I mean, have to move. Like, I... On the of having that clause in there, like, yeah, I mean, this is we we always go back to like the structural parts of this. Like, Barcelona took advantage of a rule that is kind of stupid, you know. Like, yeah. I, it, it's it's meant to be to have good intentions for these clubs, right? Yeah, but like, it probably shouldn't have applied to Barcelona in that moment, you know. And that's that's a loophole in the system, and Barcelona took advantage of that. Yeah, so I mean, they did that. I mean, it, it was essentially the, yeah, Barcelona took took advantage, you know, the the Barto regime took advantage of a loophole that existed. Like you said, it, it was a stupid rule and they exploited it. They exploited it. And, you know, then on the back end, you have Des not wanting to leave. And, yeah, I mean, the, the whole thing was... It had, it had the potential to end in a way more sort of unedifying and unsatisfying way than it did. Like I said, I mean, look, he gets to presumably just live where he's been living. You know, just pull on an Espanol shirt playing La Liga, I mean, so he doesn't even, it's not even a change of league or, you know, I mean, that much of a change out. of scenery. Yeah, his, that's what I mean. No, I mean, he doesn't even have to change. In, yeah, and yeah, football he doesn't have to, people, like, his kids are in school, like, yeah. Barcelona has really good school, so he's able to keep them in school, stay in the city, doesn't have to move, like. Yeah, and his family's not stressed out, like, because yeah. I, I feel like that stuff matters too, you know, I mean, it's yeah, just, I, like, if you're. You get, I promise you, like, the older you get, the harder this stuff gets, like, the harder yeah. and more complicated and the more people and especially children, like they're just, there's, there's more moving parts. Like the, it's harder yeah. to make these decisions. And so like the, again, the older these footballers get, the more that I go like, no, like they're established in the career. It's not even like about the money more. It is like their life, like this, they're living. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to move, you know, like just For sure. Yeah. Well, speaking so, of not wanting to move to, to, to put a pin on the rest of the show here again, yeah. because I might need to add 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes or whatever <laughs> based on, on what happens when Messi returns to Barcelona or Neymar is, is on. Yeah, of course. So, But it seems like Bernardo Silva, who was the one who was kind of dangled all summer, announces he's not going to come to Barcelona, only staying at Manchester City. 
we haven't received any offers. We already saw Verratti mm. and Fakir, and people were trying to, again, at this point, you already know the bombshell name, but supposed to be a big name. But the Silva deal, I actually, again, don't think there's so much complicated about that either. I think for those who are like, oh, we were duped, we were tricked. I don't think you were. Like, the, the deal was, if Frankie de Young leaves, then Bernardo Silva yeah. is agreed and is arriving. Yeah. And Frankie de Young is still here, and so Silva isn't here. Yep. And that's it. Like, it's not, we don't have the galaxy brain. Like, it seemed like that was what was going to happen the entire time. And I think if Frankie was gone, Silva would 100% be here. If Silva wanted to come to Barcelona. It seemed like he had re- almost agreed personal terms and he was going to fit the wage structure. But Frankie de Young stayed and wanted to stick around. And so that's it. Like, end of story, right? Like, we're, we're done with that conversation. 100%. Yeah, because, I mean, what was the one of the first things we talked about is, you know, the $150 million that's owed to these five guys who, who yeah. you know, are varying degrees or, you know, are either not playing or, you know, but all those deferments, like that that epic balloon payment coming due. I mean, if you if we accept that that is in fact what is happening and it would be nuts not to, like how how do you squeeze in a Bernardo Silva under, you know, under a cap or yeah, I mean, no. with, within any kind of budget? I can't believe they they hit Lewandowski and Kunde and and I know that's what I mean. Like, so yeah, we're just gonna do this too, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Like, no way. So, all right. So that that'll wrap up that show. I mean, we we survived. Mm-hmm. So I do want to plug tomorrow. Well, I'm hoping tomorrow I will have my YouTube summer grades, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that I'm gonna be an easy grader. I can tell you that there's a <laughs> lot of there's a lot of top of the class this time around. I think I was a little bit more January was a bit more judicious. I had. There were some that were a little more difficult to answer there. I definitely got Yang wrong then. I was a bit too mm-hmm. low on Yang. Should have been higher, so the, I, I'm definitely eating crow on that. And I'm glad I did. Again, he was just, just an awesome piece of business for Barcelona and perfectly yep. fit his role. And I'm glad that it was one of those deals that I'm, you know, it, you know, as much as, again, it's just a business, there's a part of me that's like, okay, this thing worked out for all parties involved. And like, yeah. that like, makes me a little bit happy and calm. So I can just, again, warn you a little bit. I'm going to be giving a lot, a lot of good grades, but not all good grades because, again, this transfer window is made of in, and as you and I have talked about many times, Emil, it's also made of out. So I think it's time for us to say goodbye and, and, and say out. So I'll give you the final word here um, about the, the summer transfer window for FC Barcelona. Sans potentially one other major big move. I mean, it, it's like you said. I think the I'm I'm very generous in the grading of this as well. I mean, I think, you know, we talked about, there was questions here and there and you know do you want to bring in Robert Lewandowski's you know 34 do you want to give him a three-year deal or whatever and you know we had all of these conversations and you know can they make the money work and you know all of that we've now seen you know Lewandowski's here Kessier's here Christensen Kunde Rafinha we've seen them on on the pitch and this is a fun team. Like this is this, you know, whatever it looks like in the future. This thing is working. This team is really, really good, and you know, in a very short amount of time, uh, Barca have at least returned in the immediate term to being a legitimately dangerous team. Um, you know, and they've actually managed to clear enough of the decks, I suppose, and I guess sell future assets too. Uh, to make all of this work. I mean, I think the biggest, you know, like at some point, I think we're going to have to wind down some of these contracts and things like that. I feel like, um, I feel like we can't perpetually live in this, you know, full steam ahead existence, but you know, for, for doing 
if what you think needed to happen at Barca was this massive overhaul and a return to the top tier, I imagine this is probably what it would look like on the pitch. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm for now, I'm not worried about the the balance sheets and the books and stuff like that. Like all of those, you know, those chickens will come home to roost when, when they do and whatever will, what needs to be done yeah. will be done. But I mean, on the pitch, the team like, looks awesome. I mean, they partially did already. Like Lino Messi was forced out of the club last year. Like, yep. remember, like they're, they're traumatizing transfer, if you call it like a transfer of a footballer, traumatizing, but like they're a traumatizing thing that have already happened at yep. the club based on the, the issues financially. Yeah. So yeah, if the two questions you asked at the beginning of this transfer window is, can we get all this done? And yeah. can we compete for trophies when it's all done? Then Matteo Alemani and company, Jordi Yes Croix, and yes. <laughs> yes and yes. Unequivocally, yeah. yes and yes. And that makes this transfer window. I can tell you that, you know, Lewandowski is not going to surprise us. Like he is who he is. Kunde is who he is. Like Rafini are who they are. Like there are very little questions on players like that. And this is a team that can compete because of the players that they brought in. So, yep, it's a success for me. If I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do actual grades, but as far as pass fail, you know, passing with flying colors, I had, I had no doubts, no worries the minute that early stuff was done. So, all right. Again, we're still maybe a, a deal or two, but who knows? Tell us why we're wrong. Uh, but you can tweet at us, Instagram, at the Barcelona pod, close Facebook group. Again, YouTube, check out that video tomorrow with those final grades, you know, exclusively there because I had this show today. And then Patreon is how we keep making these shows. We have the merch store. I was wearing the merch today again, as always. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Before the Barca. Before the Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.